there. Happy Mother's Day to you. I want to say a quick Happy Mother's Day to uh, two moms who are in my world. Of course, my wife who gave birth to my children. Honey, I couldn't have had our family without you. But to, to two other moms who are in my world, first is my mother-in-law, Allison. Uh, and some of you know that um, Allison lives with us. She is in our home in uh, just an amazing, amazing, unique, God-divine thing of having my mother-in-law. So m- happy Mother's Day, Allison. I appreciate you so much and your ability to see kind of behind the curtain day in and day out and, and to not say anything about it. So thank you. Like, no, really, that means so much to me. You have no idea. And also then also to my to my mom, Joe Keller, uh, what a privilege it is to have both my parents here uh, in Southwest Florida with us. My wife and I were just talking about it today, that what a blessing it is uh, that my parents retired almost 10 years ago now and, and moved, relocated from Indiana here with us. And, and just the fact that you can be involved, mom, with my boy's life on a daily basis in our world, in our church, it's just, it means more to me than you could possibly know. So happy Mother's Day to both my moms, to my wife, and to every other mother who is in one of our services this weekend. Welcome. This is the basic series. And this is part three of the basic series where we're getting back to basics. And any good coach will tell you that at the end of the day, it really is all about the basics. That if you can't master the basics, then you got nothing. Then, then you can't ever move on and become everything that you're supposed to become and reach your full potential. I was reminded of this uh, just over a year ago when, when Sarah and I took our two boys to Colorado to go snow skiing. And uh, my, my boys have never experienced anything like snow skiing at all in their life, you know. And, and for me, it had been close to 20 years since I snow skied. And I'll spare you the details. It's for another day. But basically, I was in a sledding accident, not a skiing accident, but I was on snow and a toboggan sled with a pickup truck and a rope. You don't want to hear it. Anyway, head versus pole, telephone pole one, it was miraculous, I lived, it's fine, you know the end of the story, he lived, and he's funny, he's a little quirky, but he lived, okay, anyway, at that point in our relationship, we weren't even married then, we were dating at the time, my wife kind of put a moratorium on all like snow sports at high speeds, okay, she kind of shut the whole deal down, so Anyway, it had been close to 20 years, so we're going to Colorado, and my kids had never skied before, and so I'm like, honey, I have to ski. So she's like, fine, just be careful, all right, okay. So we enroll the boys in ski school, and so they do like the whole day, you know, it's a nine to three or four or five, whatever it is, like eight hours of ski school, and they're like, dad, are you going to go to ski school? (laughs) No. But I am going to go ski by myself for a few hours so none of you jokers can see it, okay? So I did, and I'll be honest with you, I'm so glad that I did. So we checked the boys into ski school, took the pictures, you know, the whole deal. And then my wife, she was like, all right, I'm going to the spa. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to the bunny hill. And I did. So for real, I went, I started and I'm like, yeah, okay. And it took me a few hours to just get back to the basics and the poles, you know, and the skis and the whole deal. But I did. And so by the time the, guy, the kids got out of ski school, it was great because there were still a few day, hours of daylight. And they're like, dad, let's go. Let's go do a couple more runs. I'm like, absolutely. So we jump on the lift, you know, we go up this hill. And so I'm like, Come on, boys, what's taking you so long? I look like the man. You know why? Because I wasn't afraid to go back to the basics. And see, that's the point of this series. The reason why we're doing this series through the month of May is because we want to go back to the basics. Now, the basics we're talking about are found in the book of Exodus. 
Because in the book of Exodus, we find this group of people called the children of Israel. Now, who were the children of Israel? They were God's people in the Old Testament. And so they had, had, God wanted to use this group of people to be their own nation, to be his people. He would be their God. But the problem was, for 400 years prior to where we pick up the story in the book of Exodus, they were slaves. They were slaves under Pharaoh in the nation of Egypt. So think of this. For four centuries, the people of God have lived under this this heavy-handed Pharaoh, this dictator leader who has just kept them bound, kept them in slavery. So then God sends a deliverer named Moses. And he speaks to Moses in this miraculous story found in Exodus 3 of this burning bush. And he sends Moses back to Egypt to confront Pharaoh, to deliver the children of Israel out, parts the Red Sea. It was maybe you've just seen, you know, the Charlton Heston movie, like it was awesome like that. Parts the water. The people of God come through. Well, here's the problem. Within about 60 days of them being free... They and God start to realize that if they don't set some things in order, get some basic uh, ideas in place, they're going to implode. They're going to kill each other. And so God takes Moses up on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, where we're going to pick up today. And he gives Moses what we know to be the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, these ten most basic basics for human life. And so the first two weeks of this series, we've talked about the first four of the Ten Commandments. And this weekend, we're going to begin to turn a corner because the first four of the Ten Commandments are centered around our approach to God. But the next six commandments, numbers 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, center around our approach to each other. And what we're going to discover this weekend is that our approach to each other matters. Our approach to each other matters. Let's begin reading. Exodus chapter 20. If you have a Bible or a tablet device with a Bible app on it, would love for you to turn with me there. If you don't, that's fine. The verses will be on the screen. You'll be able to follow along there just fine. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to skip over the first four commandments because we covered those the last two weeks. And we're going to pick up in verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 12. This is the fifth commandment. Here's what it says. Honor your father and mother. How appropriate for Mother's Day. That's a crazy coincidence, isn't it? Man, honor your father and mother so that, I love this, you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, if you don't honor your mom and dad, they're going to kill you. No, 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 that's not what it means. That's not what it means. And here's how we know that's not what it means. Look at verse 13. You shall not murder. So God gives a command to kids, he gives a command to parents, right there, boom, five and six, five and six, back and forth, right there it is. Okay, now here's the thing, how do you preach on Mother's Day about honor your father and mother and then couple that bad boy with don't kill each other? I don't know. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to skip number six, murder. We're going to skip over that one, push it into next week. How am I going to make murder fun? I have no idea, but we're going to try, okay, and it's going to be fun trying to preach about murder to all of you people, okay? So that's what we're going to do next week. Bring your mom back to church. That's what we're going to do next weekend. Okay, in the meantime, we're going to couple these two verses together. Ready? Honor your father and mother so you can live long in the land the Lord your God gave you. Verse 14, and don't commit adultery. Moms. Wait, wait. Hang on. How do these two go together? (laughs) I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you 
in just a couple of minutes. I want us to look at the fifth and the seventh command. And here's why, because they all center around this idea of how we approach others. And it's interesting to me that as God moves from the first four that are about our approach with him to the last six, which is about our approach with each other, it's interesting to me that he starts with a command about honoring our mom and dad. Why? Why is it so important to God that the very first command he gives that has to do with how we relate to one another is about our parents? Why is that important? Well, Here's the reason why. Matter of fact, I would love for you to write this down. When you came into whatever service you're in this week and you were handed a bulletin, grab that. Inside of there, there's a slip of paper with a few fill-in-the-blanks on it so you can follow along with my train of thought. Here's the first thing that I want us to, to key in on and look at. See, the reason why God started with the whole honor your father and mother command is because, number one, write this down, because our approach to authority matters. Because our approach to authority matters. See, let me kind of back up the story. Remember, God's people, the children of Israel, had been slaves for 400 years. Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation had grown up from the time they were small all the way through their life hating authority. When they thought of authority, they thought of the dictator leader, Pharaoh. They thought of the, the wicked taskmasters, the slave masters who beat them and, and, and manipulated them and abused them and, and took advantage of them. But now God has delivered them out and made them into their own people where he is their God, where he is the authority, where he is the leader in their lives. Well, here's the thing. God knew, he understood that as the ultimate authority in their life, their view of authority toward Pharaoh, toward their slave masters, would inevitably carry over to their view of him. So think about it. How do you change the perception of an entire group of people about their view of authority? Well, you start with the youngest citizens of that people group, the children. You aim your message at kids. And so God says the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother for this is right so that you may live a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, he says, kids, listen, if you want to reach your full potential, if you want your whole life to be the best that it possibly can be, then the most basic principle you've got to get clear down in your heart at the youngest age possible is honor authority. Honor whatever authority God has put in your life. That's why he started with this command to honor your father and mother. Because that's how you change a generation's perception. In 2009, uh, the year after the Tampa Bay Rays went to the World Series, which if anybody who knows me, you know that I'm a huge baseball fan. And specifically my family, are, we are Tampa Bay Rays fans. And it started back in 08 when they went to the World Series. They changed their name from Devil Ray to the Rays. Okay, the whole deal when they dropped the devil, we were on board. Mostly because those uniforms were really ugly and the new logo was really awesome. 
Well, at the same time, they got new management. They got new ownership. They got, they got bought out by a guy named Stu Sternberg. Well, in 2009, uh, Sarah and I ended up going to opening day. So we got tickets to opening day, and it was just she and I, but it's since become a family tradition. We take our kids out of school. It's amazing. We go up there. They have the blue flu. It's fine. The teachers understand. My mom was a teacher. I had the blue flu going to Cubs games all my life, too, so it's okay. <laughs> and so we take our kids, but this first year in 2009, it was just Sarah and I. And so we got there early, and, and so before the game started, we wandered down by the raised dugout. And we were standing right on the fence line by the raised dugout, and Stu Sternberg, the new owner of the raised, came walking by. And so as he came walking by, he was signing autographs and stuff. As a matter of fact, I handed him a baseball to sign it. And he was, as he was signing this baseball for me, my wife says to him, Stu, you've done such a great job with the team. I mean, we were born and raised Cub fans, but you converted us. We're raised fans now. And so he looks up from signing this baseball, and he goes, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And then he, as he's throwing the ball back to me, he says, you know, our target is kids. We're really trying to reach the kids, but we'll take you guys too. <laughs> it was awesome. You know, our target is the kids, but we'll take you guys too. Here's what... Stu Sternberg understood, and I've thought about this now for, what, six, six plus years? That's their strategy. How do you change a perception in Tampa Bay? How do you change the perception of a team who, who is a brand new team to, to the American League and to Major League Baseball? How do you create a generation of raving fans around the team? You aim at the kids whose parents perhaps are, are fans of, of lesser teams. <laughs> Yankees. How do you do that? Red Sox. <laughs> How do you change the perception? No, no, no. The Lord be your judge. It's fine. It's fine. We are the rays. The rays of sun. Sun like the sun. Uh, never mind. How do you change the perception? You aim at the kids. And then as they grow up, then they become rays fans for life. I love it. That's always stuck with me. I've never forgotten that. Well, see, that's what God did. When he needed to change the, his people's perception of authority, he aimed at the kids. And he said, honor your father and mother. If you want to live long in the land the Lord your God is giving to you, if you want to have the best life possible, then you've got to figure out these authority issues. Now, let me lean into this for a second because here's what God understood that he needed his people to understand, and I believe he needs us to understand this weekend as well, Next Level Church, and it's this. God understood that the way you and I view authority will ultimately affect the way we view him. God understood that, that the way you and I view our perception of authority in our life of all kinds ultimately does affect our view of God as our leader, as our authority in our life, as well but see here's the problem the problem is some of us have been hurt by authority in our life in the past so, somewhere and i want to speak to a couple of groups of people this weekend the first is a group of people that, that some authority figure in your life, in your past, on your journey somewhere, was supposed to be protecting you, but instead hurt you or did harm 
to you. Maybe it was, maybe it was a parent or a guardian or a relative. Maybe it was a coach who was supposed to be looking out for your best interest, but instead hurt you. Maybe it was a spouse or an ex-spouse. Maybe it was someone in your past, like, like an older sibling, or, or maybe it was, was someone, a law enforcement officer who did harm to you. Maybe it was, maybe it was a boss or a supervisor somewhere, and, and instead of promoting you and, and having your best interest in mind, instead that authority figure did harm. See, listen, if that's you, if you have, a, have an authority figure who abused you or, or manipulated you or threatened you or took advantage of you in some way, listen, you have to wrestle that feeling down. Here's why. Because it will inevitably and ultimately affect your view of the authority of God in your life. It's impossible for it not to. Someone who is supposed to have your best interest in mind instead hurt you, and it's affecting your life to this day. The second group of people I want to speak to for just a moment this weekend are those who have been hurt somehow in your past by organized religion, by the church, or a church, a, a, a pastor, or, or a teacher of spiritual things, a priest of some kind, maybe a, a religious, you know, some kind of, of education and someone took advantage of you. Someone uh, did something that, is, that has created a hatred in you or a hardness of heart in you toward God. And listen, if, if that's you, someone who was supposed to be representing the love of God did anything but to you. And listen, if that's you, can I just say to you this weekend that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that a pastor or a, a priest, a religious, a spiritual authority figure in your life somewhere along the way misrepresented our God. I'm sorry. They should have been handing you something sweet, something great, like a, like a, like a candy sucker. But instead, illustratively, it's as if they, when, every time they handed you a candy sucker, the minute you put it in your mouth, it's as if they slapped you upside the head. And so now, today, inevitably... Instead of viewing the church or God in a positive, sweet, wonderful life, instead, a light, instead you view it with pain and, and skepticism and standoffishness. Listen, by virtue of the fact that you're here this weekend, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for trusting us. I'm sorry that that happened. My hope is our vision here is that you would see a different side to Christianity, that you'd see a different side to the Bible, you'd see a different side to the things of God. And I want you to know you're safe here. Listen, whether you've been, whether you've been attending one of our campuses or one of our services, this is your first week, or whether you've been attending for several months, listen, here's what I want you to know, you're safe here. You're not gonna be judged here. You're accepted here. Take as long as you need and my prayer would be that when you come into this place weekend in and weekend out, that you would simply open your heart, be it ever so slightly, to the fact that maybe, just maybe, the God we are talking about is a God who loves you and has amazing things for you. Keep coming. Keep coming. Our vision statement is to create a place that people love. 
so that they can experience a loving God. That's why we do this. It's for people just like you who've been wounded somewhere in their past. Here's, here's what I want us to see. Did you notice the promise attached to this command in verse 12? Look at throw, throw that back up there, you guys. L- look at this. Honor your father and mother so that, okay, here's the promise. Do you see it? Look, it's conditional. Honor your father and mother, and here's going to be the result. So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The promise of honoring authority is that you will live long. That, that This is the first command with a promise. And, and here's what God understood. God understood that at the most basic level, if you and I don't get these authority issues figured out in our heart, it will compromise our life. It will rob the joy of life from us. And here's what I think. I think it's possible that some of us are listening to me speak this Mother's Day weekend, and you keep, in areas of your life, you keep going so far, and then you just, it's like you hit a lid, and you achieve so much, and then you just you blame your boss, and then you, you go so far, and it's like you, you just can't seem to break through, and now you br- blame your spouse or an ex-spouse, or, or you blame your teacher, you blame someone else, and it's like you hit these lids. Is it possible that maybe, just maybe, the reason why we can't ever seem to break through into all that God has for us and reach our full potential and live that amazing, abundant life that Jesus promised, is it possible that it's because of these authority issues, this bitterness that we've been holding on to in our heart? As a pastor, as a voice of influence, that you have given some measure of ability to speak into your life, I challenge you this weekend. Do whatever you got to do to wrestle that stuff out, to dig that stuff out of your heart. Because God said all those years ago, listen, if you can't get this authority thing right, it's going to rob your life. That is a basic that never goes out of style. Now, you ready for the next one? (laughs) You ain't ready. I'm not sure I'm ready. Come on, collectively, whatever campus you're at, whatever service you're in, come on, one, two, three, take a deep breath. Ready? One, two, three. (sighs) All right, here we go. Ready? Here we go. Verse 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. What in the world? Okay, holy cow, what's going on? Okay, okay, watch this. Here's verse 14. You shall not commit adultery. Adultery. Obviously, there's, there's an application here to sexuality, and I'm going to get to that in a couple of minutes here. But let me, let me broaden our scope here, keeping in this vein of, of honoring authority in our life, keeping this vein of how we approach others. Watch this. Number two, if you want to write this down, watch. Here's, here's, here's what I want us to see. Human nature, it was back then and it is today, human nature is to use people for our own gain. Once sin entered the human race, human nature suddenly took over and caused us to use people for our own gain. Don't we see this everywhere in our culture today? Single people, when you go to a club and you see that guy or that girl trying to hook up with that guy or that girl, what are they really after? They're after using others for their own personal gain. Come on, business leaders, those of you who are in corporate America or or function in the business community at all, you know this is true because corporate America is built on 
using others, manipulating others, cheating others, dodging others, going around corners and and cutting corners and and cheating, anything you can possibly do to get ahead, it's cutthroat out there. I get that. See, our world, our culture is obsessed with with this thing inside of us that is to use other people for our own gain. Now, let's go back to to the children of Israel. Think of it. Think of it. There they were, four centuries, 400 years, generation after generation after generation had grown up under an Egyptian rule through the Pharaoh and the slave masters who was using them for their gain. So for century upon century upon century, the children of Israel have known nothing but a leader, an authority Who's do, who will do anything possible to abuse them, manipulate them, and use them for their own gain, to squeeze every amount of value out of the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, so that the Egyptians could benefit. So now here they are on the other side of the Red Sea. God delivers them out of all that, makes them into their own nation, and God says, hey, 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 we got to get this whole using people for our own gain thing figured out. Enter the seventh commandment. Do not commit adultery because see here's what god understood god understood that anytime we use someone else for our own gain it is a pathway back to bondage and slavery in our life next level church you know that our theme for this year that we declared back in january is from slave to free from slave to free from slave to free you know we've been talking about that and so here's what i want us to understand this weekend listen anytime we use someone else in any way For our own gain, that is a pathway back to bondage and slavery in our lives. Now, let me zoom in for a second and talk about this in in terms of our sexuality. Because it says, you shall not commit adultery. So let me speak to this for a second. Single people, let me talk to you for a moment. Single people, listen. Sexually, when you use someone, not your spouse to meet your needs sexually, it leads to bondage and heartache. Plain and simple. That's where it leads. And we don't have to look too far, do we? Into our single friends to find someone who's been used and led into hurt and bondage because of this sexual principle that God laid down in the most basic basics called the Ten Commandments. Teenagers, let me speak to you for a moment. Teenagers, listen. I understand that it's popular right now to use others to experiment sexually and and get your needs met. But I'm just telling you that if it doesn't honor God, then it's a recipe for bondage. It's a recipe for despair. Teenage, Teenage, listen, there's a teenage girl who's listening to me right now. And you think... You have to do that. You think in order to get a guy to like you or love you, that you have to compromise yourself in a sexual way. And I'm just telling you, listen, that is so not true. There is a God in heaven who created you, beautiful, and loves you for who you are, right where you are. That's a word for somebody, teenage girl. Listen, you, can, you have permission to not go that direction any longer. Why? Because it only leads to heartache and despair. And teenage boys, let me speak to you for a second. She is not an object. 
She is not a thing. She is not a toy. She is a woman of God created in the image of our creator who deserves our respect. So teenagers, listen. Let's get this right. Men, let me speak to us for a minute. Men, listen. When we use pornography to get our, meet, our needs met sexually, it's always a pathway back to bondage and despair. It always is. Guys, listen, I understand it is not a popular idea in our culture today. But according to the Bible, God's best for humanity sexually is one man and one woman inside the context of marriage. Any other than that is a pathway back to bondage and despair in our lives. It just is. Now... Let me broaden our scope one last moment with this. Because when we flip this, this funnel over in terms of, of talking about using others for our own gain, okay, when we flip that over, here's the principle that I want to grab a hold of. It's this. Number three, maybe you want to write it down. God's best is to use what we've gained personally to bless and build other people. See, the truth of the matter is God's best for our life is that you and I would use what he has blessed us with personally to bless and build other people. Not the other way around where we use them for our gain. No, 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 that we use what God's given us for their gain. This is a basic, basic truth that never goes out of style. So Next Level Church, what if, what if this weekend we could have a mindset shift in our life that instead of going the way of the world, the way the culture says of use everybody you can for your own benefit, what if Next Level Church, we could flip our mindset and start to wake up every single day with this approach, with this thought in our head? What can I use today that God has blessed me with to be a blessing to build someone else? My goodness, think of that. Imagine, guys, I I've been praying this through and thinking about this all week coming up to this weekend. This moment of this message, guys, what would it look like if a church like ours, filled with thousands of people, several thousand people, one by one by one, individually, began to make a choice every day when we wake up to view everything in our life differently than the world says we can view it? And instead of saying, man, what can I get for me and for, for my benefit? Instead, we flipped that over and we said, what can I, that I have, can I use to bless someone else? Imagine what a church like that could do. Imagine the lives we could change. Imagine the people we could touch. Imagine the impact God would use a church like that to make. And I don't know about you, I want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a part of a church where, where people financially, Say, you know what? I don't want to just do the minimum. God's word says give a tithe 10%. Give him the first 10% of all your increase. Listen, I don't want to be a part of a church where, where people just want to do the minimum. I want to be a part of a church where, and this is happening more and more and more across the next level, where people are saying, listen, I want to go above and beyond the tithe. I want to give generous. I want to be a radically generous giver. Why? Because what God's doing on the earth is worth it. And if God can use it not for me, but through me, I want to be that kind of person. I think about it with our possessions. Gosh, think of what's possible, you guys. If we suddenly started to look at everything we have, books and, and, and possessions, clothes, material things, cars, whatever, and we said, what if, what if, how could God want to use those to be a blessing to someone else? How could we give those things away? How could we sell them and then, then be generous with the finances that are generated from that? 
I think about it in terms of talent. Guys, think of what's possible. When thousands and thousands of us, one by one by one by one, start to look inside of ourselves and say, how has God wired me? How has God created me? The gifts, the talents, the passions, the ability that he's put inside of me. How can I leverage those to serve in our communities downtown that we adopted so many years ago, that, that we're doing third Saturday serve days every single month, that our, that our Wednesday night collide student ministry now has an arm that is ministering to, to students down in our downtown communities. Guys, think of the impact we could make. If we started looking at our talents and saying, God, use these to bless somebody else. Or on our weekend services. Or on Wednesday nights at Collide, our student ministry at both of our campuses. My goodness, you know why I think that's crazy? Because you guys are crazy talented. It could work. Think of the impact a church like that could have. I think about wisdom. I think about life experience. So many of us who call Next Level Church our home have wisdom from life experience, from good and bad, successes and failures, that we could have the ability to pour into someone else who's just starting out or not as far along in the journey. Imagine a church like that, where people look across their relationships and they say, who do I know that somebody around me needs to know? John Maxwell, many of you know, is, is a, a longtime mentor of mine, and his books and his teachings and his life have just been such a, a mentor for me. One of the things John is famous for saying, a question John is always famous for asking, and I love it every time I hear him ask it, is, who do you know that I should know? That when you get around a group of people, ask, don't be afraid to ask, who do you know that I should know? Well, I love that question. I love that question. And, and here's, here's how I always try and do that. In terms of leadership, I'm always trying to ask the question, who do I know that another person I know needs to know? Okay, think about your life. Think about this. Think about this. When you think about the pivotal moments of your life, isn't it true that there's always a someone who opened a door? There's always a someone who made a way. There's always a someone who made an introduction. There's always a, a someone, isn't there, that God used to help us break through, to help us get to our next level. There's always a somebody, isn't there, in our story, where it's like, man, I got to this point, and then so-and-so introduced me to so-and-so. Then so-and-so fronted the money. Then so-and-so believed in the mission and got behind me. Then so-and-so gave me an account. Then so-and-so opened the door that allowed us to take our life to a whole new level. Well, if God was sovereign enough to use that person in our life, what are the chances that he might just be sovereign enough to use us in someone else's life? Imagine a church full of people who live their life every single day with that kind of perception, asking that kind of question. Not what can the world do for me, but what in the world can I do for them? Next Level Church, I want to be that kind of church. I want to be that kind of church. And the truth is, we are that kind of church. Let's take it to the next level. Let's do it. Why? Because how we approach each other matters. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for every single person
who's listening this weekend. God, thank you for moms that are here. God, thank you for family. Jesus, I pray right now in a few directions. God, first I pray for those who this authority thing has kind of turned our stomach. Jesus, I pray that you would give us the courage to do the hard work of wrestling some of this this authority issue stuff out of our heart. God, we know it's going to hold us back until we do. Lord, I pray for those who need to make some tweaks, some changes sexually, who need to turn from their ways and begin to see their interaction with others differently. And then, Jesus, I pray for each one of us, each and every one of us, that we would be the kind of people who are not asking what can they do for me? Let's start living our life in every area of our life with a perception that says, what can I do for them? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the basics. Thank you for the Ten Commandments. Thank you for practical wisdom from your word that we can leave this service today being a little bit more like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone and every one of our services who agreed said,